Welcome back to Think Tech. I'm Jay Fidel. This is American Issues, take one. We're going to talk about Joe Biden's best state of the union, what was good about it, what was not so good about it. Will it change history? If so, how? Hmm. Really interesting question, because it wasn't as simple as the, as the national media portrayed it last evening. Okay, and for this, we have Cynthia Sinclair. And in one moment, we're going to ask her some hard questions. Cynthia, welcome to the show. It's always nice to see you. Thank you for having me, Jay. Cynthia, you know, you've been following this just as close as I have. And, uh, you know, this was, uh, uh, at least by some measurements, uh, it, was a, it was a very important historical event, uh, Joe Biden's speech. And largely because the media responded in a very positive fashion. Um, and, um, you know, I thought that was good. But let's let's analyze it. Let's look at what was good about it and why it was good. Uh, let's look about, you know, look at what was not so good about it. And let's look at the Republican reaction <laughs> and response that was, you know, I know it's funny what happened. Um, so let's, let's talk about the good parts. If you were going to identify the best parts, the parts that made the national media say, oh, wow, this is great. You know, this is a very important event in Joe Biden's uh, presidential history. What do you think? Some of the adjectives used to describe him were um, on point and quick-witted and uh, combative. They say it's one of the most combative speeches in history, almost, they were claiming last night. But I don't know if I agree with that completely. My favorite thing was the way he opened it up with a joke. When he said to, uh, well, first he, you know, it was very unusual, and I thought it meant something, too, when he you know, honored and recognized Kevin McCarthy's new, you know, uh, new coming to the the speakership. I thought that was good. You know, I had already shaken hands to say hello and then shook hands again to say congratulations, which I thought was great. And then he turns around and says, I don't want to ruin your reputation, but I look forward to working with you. <laughs> and I thought, why? <laughs> Right off the bat, dig to the Republicans, you know, they don't want to work together. They want to be so And he's like, I don't want to ruin your reputation, which I thought was just genius. Whoever wrote that part of the speech was genius. Because it immediately put them on a back foot. Immediately put them on a back foot. And, and also established that he wants to work with them. Right. And it, and it so it sort of showcases the fact that they don't want to work with anybody but themselves. And I thought whoever wrote that joke was very, very smart. And a couple of my favorite quotes out of the speech. One was capitalism without competition is extortion. And that just went straight to my heart. I thought exactly. We've got all these. um businesses that are becoming the corner on the market, all these corporations that are buying out the little guy and, and just dominating. And I think, you know, that is the opposite of capitalism. The, the, the very, you know, corporations that the Democrats, I mean, the Republicans are supporting and giving tax breaks to are the same ones that are destroying capitalism. 
by becoming that, you know, corner on the market kind of a thing. We all, you know, uh, used to play the game Risk, right? And Pit, all those those games that we played when we were kids that said corner on the market is not a good thing. And yet here we are, you know, in 2023, and that's the case of almost all business. So that that was a good one. So um, <laughs> one of the things that I loved was um, Senator Murphy's quote after the speech when he said, and it was after Sarah Sanders, Huckabee Sanders, gave her rebuttal, which I thought was just creepy. The way she moderated her voice and kept it down in the back of her throat so she could talk just like this. And you could see how much work um, she's done on her diction from the time when she used to be the press secretary to now. It was very staged, very obviously she's been working hard on changing the way she lisped and the way she had held her face and everything. She's done a lot of coaching there. She's had a lot of coaching, but I thought it was scary the way she, and it was fear mongering for the most part. And I thought, did she ever even listen to one minute of the speech? Because she not only didn't speak to the things that were in the speech, but the things that she said were spoken to in the speech. So she didn't even take the opportunity to give the opposite side. And I thought that was big. But when Senator Murphy says that um, Sarah Sanders Huckabee, um, it, it was the perfect advertisement for the kind of leadership that Biden offers. And I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> and it was because it was this strange um crafted fear-mongering for you know CRT and the woke mob. Well, we haven't had any mobs that are woke, actually. The only mob we've seen is the one from the Republicans on January 6th. So I thought that was really something. Um, one of the other things that I thought was really great about um, wh what Biden did was when he said, look it up. Every time they would you know, try to come back at him with something, he would say, look it up. So, of course, all the fact checkers the next day come out with looking it up. And everything he said was true. He may have uh, equivocated a bit by not um, putting in the context of it, but it was still true. And the statistics he gave were accurate. And, and I went through CNN's fact checking uh, factcheck.orgs, uh, and uh, what was the other? Oh, and the New York Times. Those were the three fact checks that I looked into. And um, all of them, he was right on the money. The only thing that was missing was context for some of them. So they might not have been exactly, if you look at it in the context of things, but they were still accurate. And that's what I think is important. Um, so. This was the other thing that was really, um, uh, it, it was really moving and it really struck me. The whole, you know, when he went into this whole, uh, some, not all, he was very careful to say, not all, but some want to sunset Social Security every five years. And, 
And they're all, no, boo, boo, no. And even Kevin McCarthy is shaking his head, no. Well, they're all lying. And they're calling Biden a liar. And I'm thinking, whoa, just shows how easy it is for them to lie about their own things. And this was the best. He says, it's okay, it's okay. I love love conversion. I thought, (laughs) bring it on. He was so quick to engage with these guys. That was very important, I thought, and very striking. And then he says, call my office. I'll give you the report, which is proof positive, right? He is happy to give them the report that he got from the Republicans, and he said it a couple of times. Go ahead, call my office. I'll be happy to share with you what they gave me. And I thought that was really important. So in the fact-checking, Mike Lee, right after the, the speech, says, absolutely not going to, you know, go after Social Security and Medicare. That was a lie. Big guy, you know, just... Um, espousing this whole big, it was a lie, it was a lie. Well, (laughs) you got to be careful because everything's on camera nowadays, Mike Lee. And unfortunately, Mike Lee, during his entire campaign, is on camera many times saying, we're going to pull up Social Security by the roots. In his own words, coming out of his own mouth, we see it. And I think, (laughs) oh my gosh. How easily these Republicans lie. Um, uh, He wanted, I thought it was important that he brought up gun reform and police reform. And he had both um, the the latest, you know, police killing of a black man and and some of the the most recent gun victims. And I love that they he brought up the guy from the uh, dance studio and he was there in person. And, um, you know, he could stand up as a hero, which he was because he went after the gunman and stopped him from killing more people. And I thought that was that was really good. And okay, back to one of my other favorite things. Um, They want to, to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act. The Republicans all cheer, cheer. And again, again, Biden says, it's okay, it's okay. That's all right. As my high school football coach used to say, good luck in your senior year. (laughs) He was just on point with every one of every time they tried to heckle him. He made them look like idiots. He made them look like cops that are, you know, just disruptive and disrespectful to the very chamber itself, to the presidency itself and to the tradition of the State of the Union. And it showed how misplaced they are in Congress, especially, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Boy, you can dress her up, right? (laughs) But you cannot take the trash out of her. She's still just as trashy as ever. And even that, I wonder who told her to wear that because I thought, hmm, you know, you can, and my first thought was, wow, you can dress her up, but can't wait to see how she acts. And sure enough, she got dressed up and did not, didn't even rise to her own outfit. How's that? That's the best way I can think of to put it. How kind, how kind of you. <laughs> how kind of you. 
just as trashy as ever. So um, some of the fact checks that I saw um, were the, you know, the deficit during the last administration was 7.8 trillion and under Biden, it's gone down by 1.7 trillion. That was accurate. Um, uh, Let's see, not his not fully accurate, but only because of the context of the coronavirus um, and the pandemic. But exports um, have gone up, it's true, in 2020 by 851 billion. By in 2022, uh, it was uh, 453 billion, sorry. But the problem is that imports had gone up also. They went up by 556 billion in 2021. But that's all pandemic related, right? Um, people were only place they could get their stuff was from Amazon, which deals with, you know, um, imports. So it, it kind of balanced out. So there was, wasn't fully accurate. The numbers were right, but the context was missing. Um, oh, gosh, you know, just did one last little thing about Marjorie Taylor Greene, and then I just assume not even think about her again. She presided over the House on Monday. This is who the Republicans put in charge. They could have picked anybody, but they picked her. Um, so that is most of what I've got as my favorite things. Um, my very most favorite thing, I think, would be the feeling at the end, right? And I know I'm going on and on, sorry, but um, that I I just wanted to yell hooray a bunch of times during the, the the speech, and I was so impressed by you know the way he was so quick to come back at these guys. It was it he was prepared in wonderful ways, and it was the liveliest I've seen him. Um, and I'm so glad he didn't whisper, but once, and he didn't really whisper, which is good because that's kind of a creepy thing. And I'm sure somebody's finally coached him to stop. But I was just impressed. I was excited. I was um, nervous beforehand. And as the speech went on, all that nerve just went away. And I was just excited and cheering it on. Well, yeah, you know, it seems like um, somebody coached him well, somebody wrote that speech well, Mm -hmm. um, and he rehearsed it carefully and well and often. Um, So the the delivery was his best delivery we've seen from him, um, you know, at least during his presidency and before. Uh, And it goes to show that, um, you know, presidents, including the unnamed, unknown president, the one whose name shall not be mentioned, you know, they do better if they are practiced when they give a speech to a national, if not a global audience. And and I think that message got through to Biden and the people around him. You know, you can't come in there and be hesitant. You can't stumble and bumble. You have got to know exactly what you're saying. You have to have your message, you know, all organized. Every single word has got to be poetry. You've got to practice it. You've got to hand, you know, prepare to handle hecklers. And if you do all that, you'll do fine. And and that was the message to me. 
This was well-written, well-conceived, well-executed, and he was prepared to deal with, you know, whatever, including strange, stupid heckling. Um, so, you know, that's the message here. But the question is, and, and of course, the media, the media that I saw were just thrilled, uh, as you are. I suppose me too, uh, that he did so well. He did not, you know, make mistakes, not significant ones. He did not stumble and bubble. He knew he was on a global stage and it was important. Um, let, let me ask you, you know, why was it important? Well, it's, be, it's important, and I'm interested in your thought about this, Cynthia. Why was it important? Because the Republicans have adopted a policy of attacking him on everything. Um, and if he's soft or um, you know, misapprehends what he's saying, and if the writing is not good, the delivery is not good, if his tie is not tied properly, you know, they're going to criticize him for that. They criticize him even if there's nothing wrong, as they did last night. Um, so um, that's why it was important. He, you know, he stood the risk of failing. He stood the risk of, of having, what do you want to call it, uh, legitimate criticism over it, over that. And that would have affected, you know, his administration now and trying to work together in good, you know, in good odor and good nature and good and good humor with the uh, you know, Republicans in Congress, even Kevin McCarthy. Um, and um, also, you know, it means a lot if he really intends to run for president in 2024. All of that was on the table. All of that was the high stakes of this speech. So high stakes, he recognized that. He did all that he could poss possibly do to escape characterizations of his inadequacy in speeches in the past. And that was why it was so refreshing. And that was why everybody was so, so thrilled with it. But query, is it really going to change history? Is it going to change what the Republicans do? Is it going to change the possibility of making mistakes, you know, innocent ones going forward? Um, is it going to change, you know, his, his, what do you want to call it, administrative acumen uh, in terms of running the country? I'm not so sure. I don't really think, although there are great speeches in American history, to wit, you know, the Gettysburg Address and, and many others who arguably, you know, uh, you know uh, change history or at least they are reflected in the history books. Um, but I'm not so sure that one speech can change history. Do you think it can change it for him, put him on a, you know, on a better, better trajectory and to getting stuff done in Congress, um, to being respected by the base, um, to, to do better than we might have thought in the 2024 election? I think it does to a certain extent and to, to the extent that it's able to, you know, any speech is able to do something like that. Um, I, I don't know if anything can change the Republicans bent for, I don't even know how to describe it, lies and uh, mischaracterizations and manipulations of the truth because that's what they've been seeming to spend all their time doing. So that's, you know, kind of something that I, I worry about. Um, I know that Kevin McCarthy, the thing, this is what he's all over Fox News. I did watch Fox News for a little while this morning, as long as I could stand it, um, to see what they were saying about it, right? 
and last night a little bit. Kevin McCarthy comes on and says, it was like having a good seat at a bad sporting event. You know, so we're not going to change the Republicans, no. We're not going to change our ability to work with them because they are stuck in this strange bent to stay with Trump. And instead of standing up to the criminal elements of Trump and standing up against it and saying, you know, we like some of the stuff he did, but we don't want any of that. So we're going to move forward. They're maintaining it. You know, Sarah Sanders, she made her little comment about it, um, wanting to go back to that, what that was. And, you know, all there was nothing wrong with it. And the same thing with Fox News today, saying all that same stuff. And yet, <laughs> all day today, I listened for an hour in the background while I was doing some housework and stuff to see what they were doing, because I can't sit and watch them. It infuriates me to watch them lie and, you know. So that's not going to change. You know, that was predictable that, you know, uh, immediately upon the, you know, the conclusion of that that speech, however good it was, and the Republicans were going to continue their drumbeat against him and try to criticize him and lie about what he said or didn't say and what he does or doesn't do. Um, you know, I mean, but I think he he got them. And if the base was listening to the speech, um, even because, you know, even for the reason they wanted to attack it, too, um, the, the reality is he made some made some good points. And I guess, you know, that that helps. That helps him. And it helps the country. He was clearly the legitimate, you know, uh, person on the stage. Uh, he was the one who cared about the country. He's the one who had a policy of trying to help people. Um, he, he was the one, you know, who was the adult in the room. And they could make fun of him and they could, you know, not not applaud when he made a point that should have affected everyone. Not not stand up ever. Uh, you know, it was, it was puerile, but it's been puerile for a long time. Uh, I give him I give him credit for all of that. Um, but I but I think we have to take it with a grain of salt. Um, and I think we have to watch going forward, you know, what, what, what this all really means and whether it will change the minds of those who are committed to attacking him no matter what he does. I thought, I thought uh, to go back to your point about Sarah Huckabee, Huckabee uh, her remarks were really ridiculous. Ridiculous. It was hard to watch that level of stupidity. And you're right. She was all prepared. She was, she was rigid, you know. She, she was... She hadn't listened, clearly, she hadn't listened to the speech. This was all written out beforehand. It was all an attack. And it was largely personal. I couldn't care about her personal stories. You know, is she, does she want us to love her? I don't think so. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I would never. I didn't like her when she was Trump's press secretary either, because I felt that she was lying all the time. He made her lie, and she still does lie. That's her thing. And you know what? It was confirmed uh, during, or rather, in the in the in the rebuttal of of the uh, State of the Union speech. It was confirmed um, in the sense that um, if you worried about her and wondered about her, um, this was proof about how bad she is. Uh, she is 
she may be the governor of Arkansas, but she ain't going anywhere in national politics. It was a really bad choice to leave the rebuttal to her. She didn't make a single point. There were points to be made. She didn't make a single point of value or interest to an objective observer. Um, and let me go to the other one with the, with the ermine coat or whatever she was wearing, um, the, the, the fuzzy, fuzzy outfit, fuzzy thinking. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene is really awful. And, uh, you know, to break decorum that way, to uh, essentially, um, you know, reject all the stability that this august body has to offer us, um, that also, it's got to appeal to some people that it was confirmation that she's a nutcase completely unhinged and somehow elevated within the Republican Party um, to be, quote, a leader in the Republican Party. But her calling catcall and, you know, calling a liar, even when he was saying things that nobody would even dispute, uh, was, was really outrageous. So, and, Kevin, and Kevin, Kevin McCarthy standing behind the president, and he said, no, 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 don't do that. You know, shush. <laughs> 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 on national TV, it's it's pathetic. You know, we we used to think the people who walked the hallowed halls of, of of the Capitol, you know, had something going for them. They don't. Republicans simply do not. And uh, you know, it's a very sad case that we're going to be back like a yo-yo into where we were. But I want to add one other thing, and I want your comment on it. It's this: we didn't talk about foreign policy. Yeah. And that was that was really troubling to me, because um, you know that's that's the part that's going to save the world. Um, that's the part that's really critical, and that's the part there will be contention. I think what he was saying. I mean, it wasn't a mistake. He left it out intentionally, right? The long speech. He could have he could have done it, but why didn't he do it? Well, I think he didn't do it because they they're not sympathetic, and and the base and the Republican rank and file is not sympathetic to a discussion of Ukraine or Africa or Latin America or Southeast Asia or China. Just don't care. And, and, and this is a real impediment for him uh, and for you know, any president and for the country going forward. So I think you know, by his silence, he was making a huge statement uh, about where the country is and where the State of the Union is. Well, I think he did sort of say something about it because he did talk about Ukraine. He did talk about NATO a little bit. He did make the claim that, um, you know, democracies are on the rise and autocracies are on the decline. That's not true. Which isn't really true. That was one of the things in the fact checking that exactly that I found that isn't really true. Um, to a certain extent, it is. But overall, he can't say it because. Um, you know, with what's happening in Brazil, but we've got all these um, protests that are happening right now in these um, countries that have all this right wing stuff happening and all these people are standing up against it. So I think that's sort of what he was referring to. But it, that's partly why he didn't go into big detail with it. Um, technically, in the last six months, it's true. But if you add up all the time together, it's not true. So he can't claim that since he took office, it's, you know, changed the trajectory. Well, what he could have said was, we want the United States of America to be the city on the hill, 
the yeah. beacon for the world. And he, he didn't say that because he couldn't say that. Right. Uh, but there are people who would argue that till the cows come home. I mean, argue against him till the cows come home. And uh, they don't want, and to some extent they have succeeded, uh, they don't want to be the beacon on the hill. They don't care about their brethren in other con countries and continents. And it's, it's very troubling because I think that that's more important now than it has ever been in our lifetime. Uh, and yet uh, a lot of people in the country don't care about it. And, and he knows that just as the Republicans are you know, going to edge up against Social Security, they're going to edge up against spending money to support Ukraine. That's oh, clear. Yeah. Give it a little time. You'll see what I mean. Um, so um, he had a he had to walk a fine line. You know, it's a razor fine line, um, not to excite the base, and not to talk about foreign policy or the trouble. You know, the risks of of Ukraine and other places. I was I was troubled with that, but um, I suppose you could. You could put that away. You could ignore that for now because it, at the end of the day, you can quote me on this. It's not so much what he says. It's what he does. Well, you know, I think that's sort of the way he's run his presidency. He's not out there in the world all the time talking about all the things he's done and how great they are because he's we're all sick of it, right? I mean, that's all that the last administration did. That's all that the last president did. And I almost said his name, but I know you hate it. So I stopped myself. <laughs> but, um, you know, people are sick of that. Don't tell me what you're going to do. Just go do it. And then tell me what you did. And I think that's an important distinction that's very different from his presidency and the last one. And I think you know, Obama was like that, too. He just did it. And then he, you know, after it was done, people could talk about it. He would talk about it. But instead of, you know, blowing his own horn, which always seems phony and egotistical, he's not doing that. There's a lot of things that he could blow his horn about that people have been like, hey, come on out here and tell people what you're doing more. And he just like, eh, it'll happen. It'll happen. You know, and so he. He talked about the stuff that he's done during this speech. Well, I, I think he did, he did a good job of promoting, you know, his own achievements. Right. And he I should do that because the country doesn't really understand, uh, you know, those achievements. But, right. you know, the, the one thing that he that he probably started out thinking about, but um, but decided not to cover is, you know, the embattled nature of democracy, uh, yeah. the embattled nature of of the government of our institutions, our, our mores. And, and so, um, I, and I guess that was a good decision. But the fact is that he is challenged. He, being the legitimate leader, is challenged. Have a Congress that is dysfunctional, non-functional. It's not going to be any better in the next couple of years, I, I promise you. Um, you, have, you have divisive groups around the country we are dividing. You have violence proliferating every day, every day. Um, and, and you have, uh, despite his comments, uh, you have autocracy building up in the world, um, even around us. And so he didn't dwell on that. And for that, I give him credit, because it, woe is me does not work here. Woe is me, which may be the true condition of his government, of his administration. It does not work here. He's got to maintain. And what did Churchill say? A stiff upper lip. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, Cynthia, we're out of time. Um, this was very good to, to hear your thoughts and um, to examine, uh, you know, what Joe Biden said and didn't say. And now we can look forward and see how this all plays out on both sides of the aisle. Uh, it does set a deep, it may not change history, but it sets a marker. It's yes. a demarcation, you know. It's before the speech and after the speech, and we see how things change. Cynthia Sinclair, our regular contributor on these programs. We so enjoy having you. Thank you, Cynthia. Aloha. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, Please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.